Welcome to Facing Vert, both on trails and in life. I'm your host, Tara Jordan, and today I have with me Ellie Johnston. Say hello. Hi. <laughs> so Ellie and I first met running, actually. Mm -hmm. um, we have a lot of mutual friends in the running community, and I knew her as a runner. And really, you have become an incredible cyclist, both on the gravel... Do you do mountain biking too? Mm -hmm. Okay, mountain biking and road. And every time I see your Strava, you have a crown. Or, well, I don't think you do you call it a Q O M, something that like is that. It. Okay. Yeah, but they're still crowns. Yes, they're I'll, crowns. Right. I mean, I guess it's a crown, but like, I'll take trophies. <laughs> I mean, like, does she ever go on a casual ride <laughs> that she's not flying. I don't know, but I just want to get to know you um, because obviously I knew you as a runner. So tell me what, well, first of all, tell me where you grew up. Um, so I was born in Charlottesville and then okay. grew up in Greensboro, North Carolina. So not too, too far no. away. Yep. And were you an athlete growing up? No. No. Okay. Not at all. <laughs> not at all. I mean, not, it wasn't like I was a couch potato, but right. I was not, I was thinking about this and it, like sports is not something that like my family, like there, we don't have a lot of like athletic, like, oh, this person's on the team and that like, right. I did things here and there, like played some rec soccer, was on like a rec tennis club team, like did things here and there, but not like, yeah, it was not, like not you are a, now. <laughs> it was not, yeah, not like I am now. And, and it was never like a big thing either, right. like of anybody I knew. Well, I guess, especially if you grew up in a family that wasn't just, yeah. you know, all about it. Then. Yeah. And I will say though, that like, though, like sport and like high performance athleticism wasn't a big thing. I grew up in an outdoorsy family. Great. So yeah. that is kind of like my background mm -hmm. is like, oh, my parents were dragging me out hiking and camping. And it was like, there was a large part of my, you know, middle school, high school where I was like, this is such a drag. Why, why are we going? So you didn't why even enjoy it? driving <laughs> three hours to the Western North Carolina to go to the parkway and drive <laughs> and then hike? Like this is... So no, it's not, your not, thing. not into it. You know, there's like a period a lot of kids go sure. through where they do not want to be into what their parents are into. And also like my dad, like he really, and, and mom too, like they both are into cycling. And so like my dad had me out mountain biking at a very young age. Okay. Uh, so, so you already knew how to mountain bike. And yeah. And, and again, it was just like a, this weird thing my family did. I didn't have any friends who <laughs> biked as much as my parents wanted, you know, like took us out on the greenways mm -hmm. and did little trips up to like the Virginia creeper in uh, Abington, Virginia, and like just little camping trips where we just would camp at a state park and bring our bikes and tootle around and that kind of thing. So like we did that a lot. Um, and I was, I like riding my bike and did always enjoy that, even though I like there were times where I was like, again, like, I just want to hang out with my friends this weekend. Well, now you can look back and appreciate the fact <laughs> totally. that they took you outdoors. I mean, totally. I, I grew up in a kind of the opposite of my parents were not outdoorsy in terms of, 
you know, we never camped. I think mm-hmm. I went camping with a youth group at one point, but mm-hmm. my mom is not, not an outdoors girl. She loves the mountains and the leaves, but she likes to look at them, yeah. not necessarily hike in them. Yeah. Um, and I think the bathroom part <laughs> is a yeah, big, sure. a big part of that. I'm like, Oh mom, it's totally fine. You yeah. can just go behind a tree. Yeah. It's totally fine. <laughs> but she, you know, she just didn't, she didn't have any interest in really my dad didn't either. So mm-hmm. I think it's nice that your family did that. And we're mm-hmm. trying to do that, you know, helping our kids fall in love with the mm-hmm. outdoors by taking them, mm-hmm. um, you know, random camping trips or just if we, if we recently been going out West for the past couple mm-hmm. summers, we didn't go this summer, but just to see new places okay. that I I didn't even know. I mean, I knew they existed, but had no idea of the beauty of just our country and and places yeah. around here. So would you travel much outside of North Carolina or did you just kind of stay? Um, not a ton. Um, we did some, and like I have, uh, family in Virginia, family in Alabama. So we travel across the Southeast and that was where we spent a lot of time. Okay. Um, when I was probably 14 or so, we took a big family road trip, uh, to like Yellowstone and Glacier oh, nice. and we drove from Greensboro. Oh, oh all the way out there in my parents' Volkswagen bus. <laughs> oh. And I was 14, and my little sister is seven years younger, so she was seven, and we were just stuck in the back seat. So there were some formative trips in there where it was, like, you know, very uh, memory-making. But in the moment, I was just like, Probably what, miserable. Am, what am I doing? Because <laughs> that is a long long trip especially when the the volkswagen bus only goes 45 miles an hour <laughs> max speed <laughs> took you days and days to get there like, with your seven-year-old sister yeah and, and you were a like, teenager of course it breaks down at parts you know like there's all of our luggage on the side of some state highway <laughs> family north, movie north dakota yeah totally <laughs> there's that movie uh Little Miss Sunshine, and then I like watched that, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of close to home." <laughs> this is totally yes. Well, okay, so you obviously love the out, well, kind of love the outdoors, or got a lot got, of it. got an experience of it. So, where did you get? Did you go to college at somewhere? UNC Asheville? Oh, UNC Asheville, great. So, mm-hmm. is that how you came to this area? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you just stayed. Um, I didn't just stay, um, but I went to UNCA and, um, and then left after I graduated and then moved back in 2016. Um, so it was lived in Massachusetts and then also my work is remote and there was a year in there where I was just fully nomadic basically Mm. and was traveling Traveling. the world. My work is sometimes international and so it's sending me to all kinds of different places. So what did you major in? Uh, I studied biology. Okay. Yeah. And what do you do now? And so now I work for a nonprofit and we create tools to help people understand what to do about climate change, like dashboards that enable people to test different possible solutions. Um, So we do that at the international level of just providing these tools to anybody who wants them all over the world. And Where all have you traveled? That's a broad um, question. Europe, South America, Africa. So everywhere. Um, favorite I, places? My favorite place when people ask me that question is uh, that comes to mind is South Africa. South it's Africa. just an amazing, amazingly beautiful country. Um, not without a lot of uh, just socioeconomic challenges, right. but, beautiful. but beautiful. And to see like African wildlife 
It's incredible. I can't even imagine. Yeah. I would love to see that. Yeah. And so it's interesting because, so I had that year where I was bouncing around nomadic and it was amazing in many ways, but I didn't have like a community of people. Mm-hmm. And eventually that was kind of like what ran my course back to Asheville was because I was kind of got to this point where I was like, I just want friends in the place that I am in. And I want this, this idea of like, where is home was kind Mm. of this like underlying question as I was like traveling different places and bouncing around. And so I remember distinctly like Asheville, it's, it's a place I love. And it was in my head of like, Oh, I will probably in some some point in my life, find myself back in Asheville. Maybe when I retire, you know, <laughs> kind of. You are the, not that retired. That was the now. narrative I had in my head, and I remember kind of getting to this point where I was like, "I'm just, I'm ready to have a home. Like this is, this isn't, this is fun in many ways, but I'm spending a lot of time alone, right? Just like seeing amazing and you things. You can't get to know people. Yeah, and so I um, moved back to Asheville, and it was just like reconnected with some friends from UNCA and just like was back in this community and needed to meet people. And so that's how I actually started running was because I like discovered pub runs. Pub runs. Okay. (laughs) So explain these pub runs. All around Asheville, we have breweries. Lots. Yes. And many of them I, I assume, yeah, they still happen. <laughs> yes, like, they I do. haven't been to a pub run in a while, but they, yeah, but they, the, but there was like one for every day of the week. And so it was like such a great way. And that's where you meet at a pub. Yeah. So you run. meet at a pub, you run some distance. It's usually like two to five miles mm-hmm. and then you come back and you drink a beer with some, with and get to whoever know is there. And right. so yeah, you run with the group or you run at different speeds, whatever, and you come back and you get to chat with people afterwards. And I was like, this is awesome. Like, I don't have, I get, I'm meeting people and I get to like exercise Mm -hmm. and like, wow, there's, this is an incredible way to like, just, it's like on the calendar every week you show up. There's not all this, like, you don't have to worry about scheduling with people. You just say, oh, well, whoever's there, I'll get to know. And then that led me to other group runs. And so like Tara, I think you and I met through the NCMTR, like Monday night Creek runs. And then I was like, once I got comfortable enough as a runner to where I felt like I could hang, (laughs) I I remember it was like, I really want to be a trail runner and do the Bent Creek runs, but I don't know if I'm like that kind of a runner. (laughs) And then eventually, of course, I did. And then right. I was like, fine. And, and of course, like, they have all kinds of levels. <laughs> and they so. do. Yeah. It's a very accommodating community of people that show up on Monday nights. But it's and int- it, intimidating. Um, I understand. But yeah. And then I like, and I met people and it was through NCMTR that I like, I started meeting these people who were doing athletic things that were just like mind boggling mm-hmm. to me. These, all these ultra runners, right. yourself included. And I was just like, wow, like this is like, these people go out and they're just, you know, the run was on Monday nights. It is still happening. It happens on Monday nights. And people would be talking about their weekends. Mm -hmm. And I would just be like, this is my longest run of the week here on Monday. (laughs) And you're doing 25 miles on a casual Saturday. They just like have these amazing adventures. And so I picked up and that was, yeah, I ran a lot more. And it was, and it has always been just like, an outlet for 
socializing and getting to know people. Right. Um, because yeah, my work is remote. I work out of my house now. And so it's just like, I need that social outlet when I get to the end of the work day and I'm like, okay, I've been in my house for eight hours, get out, find some people to talk to, start Go for move my body yeah. too. Cause I've been sitting still and like, um, but I've always been a cyclist. Like I, I run, I was a runner because I, it was a good way to meet people Mm -hmm. and that community is so rich in our town. Right. And it's, and so it was so fun. And, uh, but like I was always continuing to bike on the side and had some friends who biked, but like, and even now I, the, the cycling community, especially among women is smaller in Asheville Mm -hmm. and there's not as many like women who are like, you know, I think about like you and Tori Greaves and Sarah Molson, you know, there's like this list of like amazing ultra runner women who are just doing things that I can never conceive of. And in cycling, I've, I've been trying to find that, you know? And so I think I was drawn to running for so many years because it was just like, I got to be with all these inspiring people and that was cool. And, but I love cycling. And Mm -hmm. so doing that more and more. So and now you are that person for I the cycling so. community. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. And I hope it, 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 it inspires some others of just like, I haven't been racing my whole life. And like, I don't know, it's just a thing you can do when you are set your, set your mind to it and uh, really put a lot of, a lot of emphasis in it. So for several years I was running a lot and biking a lot. And mm-hmm. so it was just like, I would switch back and forth and it was kind of splitting my time. Was this mainly mountain biking or was it just still a combination? Yeah. Mountain biking. And I had a road bike. I mean, it's after work, it's easy to hop on and ride your bike around the roads. Uh, I live in West Asheville. So we have uh, like Elk Mountain and up on the parkway. You're not having to drive anywhere. You can just. You don't have to drive. It's right. just It's just like throwing on road shoes. And, you totally. Know, it's totally. sometimes harder to get to the trail. Versus- totally. Totally. Exactly. Same same idea where it's like you just do what's available. So, yeah, mountain biking and road biking. Um, did you and- find a group of people that, I mean, how did you start meeting people and getting into these competitions, I guess you So say? in terms of races, I didn't know anybody when I first signed up. Um, and it, and I, and the reason why I signed up for races. So I, one of the first events I signed up for was in 20, I believe it was in 2018 and it was the Burnsville metric century. So hundred K and, um, I had never ridden my bike that far and an event seemed like a good way <laughs> to, r- to run your, <laughs> sure. to ride your bike a long distance. And so I did it and it was great because there's aid stations and people looking out for you, but I didn't have any friends to ride my bike that long with and felt like I needed some people around me to do it with rather than just riding off on my own. Did Um, you have anybody to, I mean, I'm kind of ignorant about the long distance bike races. Was this a road race? uh, Yeah. The Burnsville metric is a a road road event. Is this something where do you bring a crew? Do you, do you have anybody that's helping you out anywhere or do you just depend on the aid stations? Aid stations. Yeah. Yeah. And so that, and that's the convenience of it, right. Is Mm -hmm. that you don't have to stop and that kind of thing. But, um, and then eventually I, so right, right now, and what I've spent a lot of the last uh, season doing is a lot of gravel biking and gravel biking is a relatively new 
concept. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not new as a concept, I guess, because people have been biking on gravel roads for forever. <laughs> right. But it's like a thing now right. that we call gravel biking. Yes. And it's got its own a like specific bike for it. My, specific... my husband's a gravel, you know, he he is switched to gravel. So Yeah, yeah. And it's and it's a great way to be outside. So I hadn't done a yeah, in 2018, I signed up for my first gravel race too. And that was also a race of, instead of 100K, it was 72 miles. So another yep, 10, 10 mile miles. difference. Mm-hmm. And it was a gravel race. And so I like had this gravel bike I'd bought from a friend and like did that. And it was like, I was doing these events just because I was like, let's, let's let see. me find my, you know, like let's push the distance and let me do it in an event format. Um, and, and how did you feel during those? I mean, could you, between the road and the gravel, obviously the gravel I would think would be a little bit harder yeah. and you've got more miles. So how did you feel during these two races? Yeah. So, um, with gravel biking, you have, there's a lot of kinds of gravel roads, um, which is obvious when you think about it, but like <laughs> your experience of it can be very different. Like there can be gravel races that are very fast and you're on like flat. very hard, flatter, hard pack. Okay. Um, and then you can get on like these loose, chunky, mm. I mean, out here in Pisgah Nas- National Forest, we have like gated roads. And so there'll be double track, you know, a road at one time that was open to cars, <laughs> but now it's closed. And that yet on a gravel bike, you can ride it, but it's just bumpy. Yeah. And a gravel bike, um, is it has drop bars. So it looks like a road bike, but it typically has wider tires. And sometimes the tires have little knobs on them. Sometimes they're more slick and you run your tires at a lower tire pressure than you would at with a road bike. Mm -hmm. So, but you don't have suspension like you would with a mountain Mountain bike. bike. Mm. So it's, it's can be pretty rugged and like jarring and and, uh, yeah. And jarring. And it takes good bike handling skills especially when you're descending because it's loose. And so you got to make sure that like you, yeah, you don't wipe up. And actually in that first gravel race that I did, it's, um, it's called the Pisgah monster cross. Um, and it's yeah, 72 miles starts, uh, in, uh, just at, in, inside Pisgah national forest and does this loop through Pisgah and then over into Natahila national forest. And, I was way out 36 miles in and I went over the bars oh, and no. I, and unfortunately I gave myself a concussion. You did? Yeah. Okay. So what, what took you down? Just so it was, it was, a, it was a steep gravel road that was washed out and it had this gully where the water had like just run across it. And the yeah. way I hit it just wasn't right. My front wheel. Were you got descending? I was descending. Yeah. And probably descending faster than I should have been. Well, I mean, you are in a race. Yeah, and I was in a race and I hit the ground. Do you remember? And I, yeah, I mean, I, I, there is, I don't know, 30 seconds a minute that I do not remember. Um, But you do remember flying over the handlebar. I don't remember that part. I remember noticing the washout ahead of me. And then I came to when I was standing beside my bicycle. You were standing. I was standing up and I was surrounded by people. Like there was a motorcyclist okay, that stopped and some stopped. racers that had stopped. And like, they were like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm, I think I'm okay. Like I, you know, the, a really common injury for cyclists when you go over the bars is uh, if you stick out your arm, you can break your collarbone. Right. And I was like, bones are intact. 
like I hit my face, but I'm like, I think I'm okay. And like, I'm way out here. And I'm like, yeah, I'm, I'm good. And I kept riding. Oh um, goodness. And, you know, show up at the next aid station and got a little bit of first aid from them, like looked at myself and I was like, oh yeah, I do have a gash in my face and I'm t- torn up, but I'm, you know, like I'm okay. And it was as I'm, I'm still riding the race. And I, and I was, as I was thinking about it, it was only like many miles later that I was running through, like taking inventory on what had happened that I realized that I didn't remember all of it. And that was when I was like, oh, that's a telltale sign that I got a concussion. And I should have, I 100% should have found a ride and pulled myself from the race. I'm like, I finished it. And that was not the right move (laughs) to make. Um, But I did it. And then, and then I like, from there, there was a nurse, fortunately, at the finish line, she like put some bandages on me. And then I went home. And for the next week, I had concussion symptoms, which is a, the way I, it varies for different people. But fortunately, I had a colleague um, who, well, unfortunate for her, but she had gone, she had had a concussion too. And she, I talked to her the next day and she was like, absolutely do not do any work. You need to rest. And so when you get a concussion, it's like any kind of injury, but it's a brain injury. And so you need to... um, like just as you wouldn't use a on your arm if you broke it, you would rest it. You right. have to rest your brain. Hmm. And so, and I and I was like, oh yeah. Every time I look at my phone, I'm getting a headache. I don't normally get headaches. Like, and it's just like you got to shut down any kind of stimulation. <clears throat> so, I spent a week laying on the couch. I took a ton of naps, just laying quietly in my house. Unfortunately, made a full recovery recovery and was fine. But. um, Concussions Scary. are very, yeah, a very serious thing that, of course, throughout all different kinds of sports di- disciplines, we're learning more and more about. Um, and just those kind of ongoing side effects that some people can experience when, especially after that immediate impact, mm-hmm. they're not well taken care of and right. they don't take it with that seriousness. So that was my first gravel race. <laughs> what a wonderful it's 2018. <laughs> thank goodness for a helmet. Yes. Thank goodness for a helmet. I, yep. <laughs> now, did you did have to get a new helmet? I or did. did. Okay. Yeah. I yeah. figured and, you did. And I, yeah, that's, in any kind of That's crash, what you need to do. I, yeah, I will always get a new helmet right away. And, okay. um, fortunately some bike brands, helmet brands too, will give you a discount and or refund you if oh. you, um, if you have a crash, oh, because nice. they want you also right, to, be, to be wearing, you know, a helmet that has not been crashed. Like right. Just, yeah, replace a helmet as soon as it's been crashed, um, because you don't know what kind of damage it is kind of internal to the helmet structure. But nope. yeah, no, that helmet was great. <laughs> <laughs> Yay for the helmet. So did when you did those races, were you thinking, okay, I want to try to do well, or was it something, well, and when I say well, I mean... Of course you want to do well and, and finish the race, not a concussion included in that, but were you trying to podium at all? Did you have any aspirations of going, okay, you know, I want to try to try to be competitive here, or was it just to just enjoy Mm -hmm. the distance? Um, so at that stage, um, it was just like, can I even bike this far? Right. Um, I like the question of results was not even on my radar okay. because I was like, 
I've never ridden my bike. This is a totally a personal challenge for mm-hmm. me of like, what does it feel like to ride my bike for eight hours plus, you know, mm-hmm. like, and, and that is a lot of like how I continue to approach like racing and bike events. I'm like fascinated by how much I can learn from the experience. And like, you know, one race, it might be pacing where I'm like, oh, I went out too fast. I got really excited because there was this big front group of guys and super strong. And then I blow up mid race and learn my lesson that that was too fast to go out or nutrition. Mm -hmm. And like, and I just have experimented a lot with like how to, you know, I'm sure there are more effective ways. Like if I was coached, there, there could be a coach that's like, well, Ellie, here's the, here's what sports science says right. is the best approach for this. And I'm just like, but let me figure out myself. And it's right. kind of this like that's process of, process of self-discovery. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean that like in terms of those early races where, yeah, I was learning a lot and not necessarily successfully, um, to like where I am like this last season, mm-hmm. um, has been a progression of just like building it. And, um, uh, maybe before we jump into like what this last year has held for me. Right. Um, one thing too, that also like made that transition for me from like doing a lot of running into just like fully committing to cycling and to where I, I run like maybe once a week and just yeah. chill, um, is, was also the pandemic. And so, um, during the pandemic, March of 2020, we're all stuck in our houses. And I had heard of people that did streaks. So this idea that you would do a thing every day. And I was like, what, what is going on in the world? There's just like a lot of things that are far out of my control. And this, a lot of this uncertainty, I was like, let me see if I can, like, I'm just going to start this habit. I need to get out of the house. I work again, I work at home. So it was a way to get out of the house. I was like, I'm going to run or bike and just, we'll see how long it goes. So every you know, single day, every day. Okay. And so, Did and you my, have a distance in mind it was or like just... a 5k or five miles of biking Okay, was my like threshold. And so I remember I got to 10 days where I had not taken a rest day and I had done a 5K or ridden five miles for the first 10 days, March of 2020. I was like, oh, wow, this is cool. Like, I did it. <laughs> I made it to 10 that, days. That feels like a lot of time exercising. And I was like, well, let's just see where this goes. And then, like, I hit a month of it. And then I'm like, hit two months. And then I'm like, okay, now it's been, like, day 100. And I've been running or biking every single day. And then, it, and then I did it for a full year. And, and it was just like that consist, that was just my, the thing I did. I didn't do big efforts. It was just, I needed to have enough energy to run or bike the next day. So I didn't want to like wear myself too out, out out too much. And I would do it regardless of the weather. Mostly. Would you go outside every time or did you have a trainer? Just about every, every time I did have a bike trainer, but I didn't, it wasn't fun. No. And Mm -hmm. so I. Use kind of like that the treadmill, <laughs> maybe less than ten times. Gotcha. Um, so it was, yeah, outside, and you know, you can always run. You can run a five k in miserable weather, right. and it's 
not great, but you can get but it But you done. can do it. <laughs> and so I did that for a full year. That's and amazing. that like built this like, you know, foundation of fitness as well that was kind of at a different level than I had been before because it, it was just so consistent and just very steady to where I was like, I was like, oh, wow, I can put in these PR efforts running wise that I couldn't before. Mm-hmm. And so that was pretty cool. And then coming out of that year of like lockdown weirdness <laughs> and me just running and biking every day, that was when I started to think more about like, oh, let me get back to some of those events that I had I was like kind of uh, try, trying out before mm-hmm. and like see what this is like because it's, they're fun. They're good. It's fun way to set some goals. Like I don't want to become at, at year, like at a year of streaking, I stopped. I was like, I don't, I'm not, yeah, I'm not fully committed to like making this my life. It's like, where do you stop? <laughs> and I needed you know? a nice, yes. I needed a nice succinct spot. And I was right. like, okay. Day 366 is a rest day. Right. I'm I'm going to rest. (laughs) I'm sure that felt weird. It did feel weird. And I forced myself to do it. And I was like, just to make sure that I wasn't like kind of addicted to Mm -hmm. that thing. And I was like, I I have control over this. Like I can stop. (laughs) Um, But it's amazing. You know, there are people who, who go and they do these streaks for thousands of days and stuff. And it's phenomenal. Um, it was just not what I needed. I think I would to be like forever. you. I'd need a stopping point. Yeah. Otherwise, you would <laughs> to say. Yeah, yeah, I think I would go mental. I did this. <laughs> yeah. I did this. So then, um, yeah, 2021 and going into 2022, that was when I started just biking a lot more. I finished some gravel races without crashing, so no good. more concussions. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's good. <laughs> um, and then last year, 2022, um, there's uh, this this bike shop that opened up in North Asheville, it's called Gravello workshop. Um, it's a new bike shop. And I had gone in there just to see like what the shop looked like. And, um, a guy who worked there who I had known in the, in the community. And he was like, Hey, we're starting a bike team. Really? Would you like to be on it? And I have never been on a team bike team. Like, but like, I've always, I remember as a kid seeing people with bike jerseys and being like, oh, they're so cool. They have a bike jersey, you know? It's got, like, some logos on it. Like, they're sponsored. Yeah, like, they're on a team. And so I was like, oh, you want me to be on a team? I'm very flattered that, like, sure. they were inviting me to be a part of it. And so I was like, oh, great. And that has been an instigator of just, like, I th- probably would have done a bunch of races, but it's been really nice to do it with a group of people. And again, it kind of goes back to that idea that of like having that community mm-hmm. and like knowing other people who are like doing your thing, whatever your right. thing is. And like, you can kind of be inspired by others and learn from them. And like, just that's, that's a lot of my motivation for, for a lot of these activities is just like, um, getting out there and socializing and having support. So yeah. when, when they ask you to be part of this team, what, what I'm sure the curiosity was, okay, what does that entail? (laughs) What does that mean to be part of a team Yeah, (laughs) and how many people are on the team and do we always ride together? How does that work for? Yeah. Um, so for us, it was, they were like, well, we're just starting this team. So it's not that formal. Like we don't have, you know, expectations. You must do this amount of races and that kind of thing. And like, um, 
we have jerseys that have the shop on them. So Yay. we hope you will wear them to represent <laughs> us. And we as a shop will, you know, help work on your bike, give you a discount on parts and okay. that kind of thing. And we're going to like, and as a team too, they're like, we can go in and maybe we can, you know, work with other local outdoor bike brands in the area and get discounts. Like the, there's, there's lots of possibilities sure. for what that could be. And they, um, especially in the last year, like the team has really gelled with more people and we got a bunch of women on the team and there's a bunch of amazingly strong men too, um, that are out there doing the races so we can show up and there's a few of us and, uh, we're doing it together. And so that's been a lot of fun and that kind of thing. How many people are part of it now? Do you know? Oh, probably like, there's probably like a dozen or so, Mm -hmm. um, people and, People have different levels of kind of commitment and ability to sure. do different races, just given life demands of life. Um, but most of the races I've done this year, there's been at least one or two other members of the team. And a few times we've done like an event where there's been like six or seven of us on the team. And then the shop mechanics will come out and oh, that's great. they'll uh, set up a little support for us and make sure all of our bikes are dialed and everything. Because very different than running, you have this kind of other factor, which is, does your bike work? It's right. not just about, does your body work? If you but get like, a puncture. If your, if yeah, you, if your yeah. bike isn't working, then your race can be done uh, just by those things. And so fortunately, uh, this year I didn't have any mechanical issues because I was well taken care of there. Good. That kind of that thing. is it. I mean, it is something with running. You don't have to worry about, I mean, unless your shoe just happens to fall apart, but... The likelihood of that is very yeah. rare unless you've just been wearing them for years and years. Um, yeah. <laughs> like Adam Hill, who <laughs> just wears his shoe out completely. But yeah, that that is interesting that you would need to have someone there or carry everything with you on these. Was yeah. that what you did before is just kind of have? Well, um, you go in, you want to start your race with a bike in good working order. Well, so yes, if you good- have had a shop, mechanic look at that then that can be enormously helpful um but yeah and then on the bike during the race I'm always carrying uh a like multi-tool to do various basic mechanic stuff as well as like a flat repair setup so that's a tube and then like either a hand pump or a, a co2 to um, rapidly inflate a tire. I was going to say, what does that do? That, that yeah. rapidly inflates yeah. a tire. It's okay. like a compressed air, um, that fills it up. Okay. And then, so that w- you always have that because you're going to, if something happens, if you puncture a tire out in the middle of a race, you're on your own. Well, um, I mean, you probably carry those things on a regular ride, I totally, would assume too. Totally. So you're used to doing that and you totally. have to have the knowledge to be able to do that. Totally. Which yeah. is good. Yeah. Okay. So you join this team and yeah. Tell me about this past season with this team. Yeah. So um, I didn't necessarily plan it this way because so in the past, I have also experienced like signing up for races and then being sick or weather or things just come up and the race falls apart. You can't can't do it. And so I've always been a little hesitant to like commit to a lot of races or to like sign up for them well in advance. But how it panned out this year is that I ended up doing a race every month. So I've done a race every month since March. Um, and the first race, uh, was this race out near Statesville called the love Valley Roubaix. 
and it was a three day event. Hmm. Um, so it started with a hill climb and then there was a 100 mile, um, gravel bike race and then a 50 mile gravel bike race the next day. Um, wow. and so that was kind of threw me into the deep end and that what we did with the team. We had a, you know, a house where all of us kind of based out of for the weekend. And it was just so much fun because it was, a uh, and also very hard. Yes. <laughs> um, so what's the hill climb? What does that entail? It was like, it was a, I want to say it was about five miles. It was, no, it was shorter than that. Maybe it was only like 5k, um, pretty relatively short, but at like time trial format. So mm. every minute a rider left you're and not then you together. were just racing against your, t- the best time. Okay. And so that was just a way to, and the, and the whole three day race was based around total time. Mm-hmm. So that was the first way to kind of like shake out, um, different times. But it, was it just straight up? <laughs> It wasn't straight up. I was sort of expecting it to be um, the hill climb. Sounds but like it, it was. Would be. It was steadily up. Um, it started with a lower grade, and then it kicked up significantly. Um, okay. So you kind of. I rode it once or twice beforehand to kind of to know um, what it was going to be. Prepare for for what it would be. Um, and then and, the hundred mile. And then the one hundred mile was that the longest at that that you had done. Had I done a, I had ridden a hundred miles before, but I never raced 100 miles. So okay. I had just, yeah, casually done it. And, um, but that was the first time, yeah, I had raced a 100 miles and it was, a, it was really challenging. Um, I bet. <laughs> now do you, I'm going to, I'm going to be the, the person that asked me about a hundred mile runs. Yeah. <laughs> I know it doesn't take as long to do a yeah. hundred miles on a bike as it does on your feet, but do you at these aid stations, do you pull over, get off, sit down, change anything? You know, how, what is, what is that like different from the running world? Yeah. Um, it's, well, you're going much faster. So, um, you hope there is, (laughs) you hope, (laughs) good, fair. Um, and this one, this was on gravel. Well, it's, and usually, so when I say gravel races, they're by and large mixed surface. You're doing a bunch of pavement and then okay. there's some gravel roads thrown okay. into. Usually you have to it's connect all gravel. You have to connect the pavement to the gravel roads. So this this race, the Love Valley Roubaix, it had uh, the 100 mile course has a relatively flat first 50 mm-hmm. um, with a lot of pavement. And I was in a group of people. So I could take advantage of the group dynamics, which is that you're in a Peloton and mm-hmm. you get pulled along by the fastest people right. in the front. So you can, and you can save energy right. and, but you're still flying along. Um, and that, so that was awesome. It was fun. And we're like, I'm like, yeah, we're going so fast. And then I realized once I got to 50 miles that most of the people, most of the guys who were pulling my group we're doing the 50 mile version of the race. Oh, so they all pull off at the halfway aid station and head towards the finish line. And I'm out there for another like lollipop of this course. Mm. Um, and it, and it was, uh, more gravel on the second half and much more elevation change. And so I went in thinking I could maintain the speeds that I could have. And then quickly found out that like, no, no, there are some steep, long climbs. And so usually like during a 100 mile race, during these long efforts, I mean, the main thing is that you just like running, you got to 
take in hydration and you got to take in calories. Mm -hmm. And so whatever that looks like for you, you've got to make sure you're doing that consistently and, um, to keep right to be able to maintain the, like the output. Do you, do you ever get off your bike or do you, is the goal to stay on your bike? Okay. Yeah. And so I usually sometimes, yeah, you you might stop at an aid station long enough to refill water bottles and, uh, get some snacks. Um, but you're not, not getting off your bike too often. Okay. Um, and and, how long did it take you? Do you remember to do the hundred? Um, that one, I don't remember, but I'm guessing it was like in the eight hour range. Okay. I was just um, trying to get an idea of time yeah, that it yeah. takes you. And about, then the next day you had to do. Then I did a 50 the 50. next day. <laughs> and how miles. was that the first time you'd done back to back like that? Mm-hmm. And yeah. and what was that like on your body and how did you feel? Yeah. So I was pretty worried about going into the second day. Sure. Um, I had slept really poorly and <laughs> like I was just, I had the, the 100 mile, the last 15 miles of it we're just like, I wasn't in a very positive like headspace mm. about riding. And I was just like counting down the miles to finish. And you don't want to be in that, no. in that zone. You want to just be out there riding. Yeah. Um, and so I was, I was nervous going in at like how the 50 would feel, but it was a new day and I'd ate, eaten enough, gotten enough sleep um, and set off. And I found myself riding with a friend who had just showed up to do the 50 mile that Sunday. So he was peeling, oh, feeling so you pretty could, fresh. You didn't have to do them all. Yeah. You okay. could just pick and choose. So, um, yeah, a friend of mine from the shop, um, was there and he was, you know, game to, to pace our little group. We had a, we had a group of, uh, another group of people and we were able to work together. And, uh, the time, because the time for that race was, overall. And so after the second day, I knew where I was. So there was this woman who had finished like an hour ahead of me during the 100. So she'd gotten significantly far ahead. And then she was out there on day three with me in the 50. And I found myself in the same group as her. Along with your friend. Along with my friend, yeah, Lyle Mitchell, who, yeah, yeah, uh, he's a runner in the community too. So Lyle, Lyle was there helping to pull our group along. And there's this woman, Luce, who uh, had won the 100. And maybe, she, I don't think she was, I don't think she was actually an hour. I think she was maybe more like 20 minutes ahead of me. Cause I remember thinking to myself, okay, there's Luce. She's in first place. And if I am to win the three day event, I need to get 20 minutes in ahead front of her. her. But I'm not doing that. <laughs> We're just here together in our group. And I'm, and so it was a fun day because I was like, I knew exactly where I was. I was like, and I, and third place was behind us. And so it was like, took the pressure off a little bit. There wasn't that. Yeah. This sense of like, I was like, I know I can't get 20. Like if I was to go off the front of that group, she would have chased me down. Mm -hmm. And so it was like, no, we're, we're fine. I mean, 20 minutes is a lot of time. 20 minutes would be a lot of time for me to make in 50 miles and without her she, uh, she, Without her she chasing you, she <laughs> yeah. yeah, she would have put in an effort too. Right. So um, I ended up se- second overall awesome. um, for the three day event, which was Incredible. which was great. I was very happy about that. Um, but it was really interesting and learning some of those dynamics too of bike racing, riding in a group, and like how you can work with a teammate mm-hmm. uh, to to pull you along. Like I was like, okay, I've got Lyle here, like he's 
you know, pulling and had, you know, this woman decided to go on a breakaway, like the two of us could have worked to kind sure. of catch her and that sort of thing. Because he was fresh, like you said. Yeah. And then you can, and when you're, when you, you have that advantage too, of just getting behind their wheel mm-hmm. and, and holding on. And right. that's. You don't really have that advantage in running. No. No. Getting behind somebody doesn't really help you at all. They don't pull you along. Maybe psychologically. (laughs) There you go. Maybe psychologically. So after that race, did that kind of surprise you or boost your confidence of, okay, maybe I'm competitive at this? Yeah. And yeah, it was like, oh, that was fun. And I did it. And like, like, let's see what's to come. And so then I signed up for, um, so there's an event promoter in our area called Pisgah Productions mm-hmm. and they do a whole series of events throughout the year. Um, and they have this series called the King and Queen of Pisgah okay. where it's like, if you participate in all of their events, you accumulate points and they have a, they have a winner for the year. And so I was not, I didn't qualify for the, the Queen of Pisgah series this year, but it was still like, it was still in my mind to do as many of those events as possible. It's just a fun atmosphere. They're incredibly well-run events. And so I was like lining up my season to do a number of these events in the area. Okay. Um, as well, in December of last year, the, um, a number of people on our team and I went in for a lottery to, to get spots at Steamboat Gravel. Mm-hmm. So this is this big um, gravel race out in Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and you enter in the lottery in December for this race in August, and I'd gotten a spot. Um, so that was, that was the main thing mm-hmm. on my radar all season was like, okay, I'm signed up to do Steamboat Gravel, SBT Gravel in August. It's 140 miles. Wow. I've never ridden my bike, you know, a hundred is still feeling like a long distance (laughs) and it's still a big effort. How am I going to do 140 miles? Like this is, that was the race. And so I wanted to keep doing races because it was such a good way to kind of push my fitness and like, you know, okay, what's that next level? So that by August doing 140 miles seems possible Mm -hmm. because when I signed up it, I, I was like, well, I'm going to sign up for the one 140 mile distance, but if I need to, I can drop back down to the 100 mile, like just second guessing mm-hmm. myself. Um, but I was like, okay, let's just, I can see these events on the calendar. And if I do the events lining up for it, that's my training plan. Basically, that's, hey, that, <laughs> Race a month. That's good motivation. <laughs> yeah. So it was a race a month until that's, leading up to I mean, that's, okay. that's what it panned out to be Mm -hmm. like, um, yeah, like there were races that I jumped into pretty last minute, um, just to do them. But, um, are there any highlights of any of those races that you did before steamboat that you want to talk about or that did you podium in a lot of those? Were they all different types of races? So all, all the races that I did locally this year, I got fifth or better. Um, and so that, that feels great. And like, there are some strong women in, yes. in our area. Um, so that was awesome. The first race that I won, and I haven't won that many, was uh, this race in that was in May. It was called PIMBAR. So that stands yes. for the Pisgah Mountain yep. Bike Adventure Race. 
Okay. And that is a very unique race. And it's a race that in our community holds a lot of like, uh, just kind of, it's kind of legendary. Yes. Um, because I mean, I've heard of it and I don't. <laughs> yeah. Bike, yeah. So. And the format of the race is totally different than any other format. So explain of that. So the way Pimbar works is that you, one, you have to have, you have to do it with a partner because there's not a set course to the race and you're out in the wilds of Pisgah National Forest. And so they want you to have somebody, a buddy. Right. Um, and the way it works is you, you get a booklet that has checkpoints in it. And there are four like mandatory checkpoints and then a fifth bonus checkpoint. And the bonus checkpoint, if you get all five, will get two hours deducted from your time. Mm. So there's this kind of strategy of, do you just go for four or do you go for the fifth and then get the time bonus? And these checkpoints are spread out all over the forest. What what do they give you? Do they give you, I guess they don't give you an address. So, I mean, what, so they get, they give what you this, help do you this get? This booklet, and there is a description of where the checkpoint is and a, and a, and a picture of where it is on the map. So you just get a and picture so and you, description. And you bring your copy okay. of the Pisgah National Forest map. And you have to, so we got our checkbook, uh, or, yeah, our, our books book. with the checkpoints mm-hmm. in them. And then we sit down at a map, like me and my partner in this was uh, Caroline Paulson. And she and I just looked at the map and then we just, circled the checkpoints and where they were and then started to piece together our route. So, so you were able to figure out where those places were. It's not yeah. just this mystery is this yeah. is this place. You knew. Yeah. You, you just had to figure your route to get there. That's exactly. fastest, I guess. Exactly. Okay. And that, and that's the trails of Pisgah are very varied and, yes. and the roads too. And so mm-hmm. there are these questions of, okay, you have to know the forest and the trails really well to make the best Route. Decision, right. And so it's like, mm-hmm. oh, do I take this gravel road that's maybe longer, but I can pedal faster on gravel than I can through this single track that goes up and over this mountain? Like all different kinds of decisions like that. And so it ad- advantages people who do know the area very well. It's very big advantage, um, yeah. And so I, I really like maps and I really love like routes and putting mm-hmm. routes together. So I was like, okay, Caroline. I've got the route. Like we've, we've got this, like I looked at it and I was able to very quickly like visualize that route. And she was like, all right, let's go. And we set off and, um, how, uh, let me stop you for just yeah. a second. So how, how much time do you have with this map before the race? So it's you're, you're, you've already started the race. Oh, so, you, oh, yeah. So, so you, you, you don't you get like a day before you get no. to sit down. So you the start, start of the, the race, race is with checkpoints. So the way it worked this year is, we started the race and the race director was your booklets are at Buckhorn Gap. We were starting at the bottom of Black Mountain Trail in Pisgah National Forest, uh, right by the Pisgah Ranger Station. And so we had to climb. And he was like, the way you have to get to Buckhorn Gap is by climbing the single track Black Mountain Trail. And it's normally a trail that you bike down. down. <laughs> we and everybody else racing Pinbar funneled immediately onto the single track and had to climb it. And so, so it's chaos. So if you weren't in a good position, you're way back in the train. So at the start, um, I like Caroline and I thought we were being clever. Caroline was like, okay, I'm hanging back with the bikes. Ellie, you get near the start line and you can grab the booklet when he, because huh. normally he'll hold a, 
uh, in past years to hold a box and be like, all right, come and get your booklets. And then oh, he was he like, changed it. And then he changed oh. it on us. And so he was like, your booklets are at Buckhorn Gap. You go. gotta go. <laughs> and I was like, all of a sudden I had to turn around and face all these cyclists who were then trying to go the opposite direction oh. as me, grab my bike, get on it. And then we had to go. Uh, and then we had, and then we're climbing the single track trail, which is very technical. Mm-hmm. Um, and just trying getting around people is super very difficult. Hard. So you're stuck in these lines. And if, and it's this cascade, if one person puts their foot down, then everybody else has to hit mm-hmm. their brakes and put their foot down. And how many people are doing this race? Do you have any idea? Uh, 150. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how many teams, mm-hmm. I, like maybe 200, but yeah, Gosh. it was a lot, a lot of people, a lot of people, on a, one a trail. lot of people to be funneled very quickly onto one trail. And so then we take, so then we get to Buckhorn Gap and there is a volunteers there who are handing out the booklets. Then everybody sits down, spread out with their own maps. And some people are talking to other teams, you know, your buddies, a few people were like, okay, what, which route are you going to, which checkpoint are you going to first? Those kinds of things. And you make your route and then you set off. How long does it take you or how long did it take you all to, to come up with your routes? Uh, our route came together pretty quickly. Like I said, because I knew where all the, I was able to find the points Mm -hmm. quickly. And I also know the trails well. So I knew, uh, very quickly, which route I thought was going to be the best. Was it five minutes? Probably. It was probably five minutes for us. I'm sure it takes people for some time. Yeah. And we were, I think we were, we were not the fast, we were, there had already been people who, the like lead guys who had come through, gotten their, gotten their checkpoints and gone by the time we'd got there. Mm-hmm. But I think we were pretty quick out. Okay. Uh, there were tons of people still trying to piece together the map. And right. you think about people who come in and do this race from out of town oh, who don't know no these trails idea. well. Um, it's, it's really difficult. And sure. there on the route this year, there were several, just like there are, are there are trails that look really appealing on the map, but in reality, are not. They are that not fun. right, <laughs> and so there you you make you these choices, time. and you're like, oh, this is an overgrown trail that crosses Mills River seventeen times. Right, I did not <laughs> want to be on this trail today. <laughs> I shouldn't have chosen this one. Yeah. Okay, yeah. so you set off. So we set go. off. We had a we had a good route um, that turned out to be very similar to what like the winning the winning men had too. Okay, and then. Yeah. And then Caroline and I are just riding it. And the wild thing about it too, is because people are on their own routes, you will cross paths with people going the opposite direction. And you have no idea if they are ahead of you or behind you or anything. And so we didn't know whether the other women's teams, where they were in terms of getting their checkpoints and we're making our way through our checkpoints and we would get to a checkpoint and we'd be like, have there been any women's teams through? And they're like at a couple checkpoints, they were like, yeah, a women's team came through, but they were going the opposite direction. Like doing, so, we're going counterclockwise uh, and they're going clockwise. So you don't force. know. But we had no idea. Right. And so we get to the finish line after, I don't know. You eight, still don't know when you cross eight, the finish line. Eight hours or so in. And they were like, the, the race director was like, well, you are the first women's team back. We only got four out of five checkpoints. And so he was like, you're going to have, we're going to have to wait two hours to, before you will know whether you won or not. Because if a woman, if a woman's team had come through after us and they'd gotten all five checkpoints, they would have gotten a two Two hour hour deduction. deduction. So it's just this puzzle. Yes. And it ultimately ended, ended up 
that Caroline and I did win. And it was, um, yeah. So you're, was, you're just biting your fingernails until two hours is up yeah, to see if yeah. somebody, you're just standing there waiting. Yeah, you're just looking at the finish so line. So what, what made your decision of, okay, we're not going to go after that fifth checkpoint. Yeah. So it was originally we were like, yeah, we're doing them all. Mm-hmm. And then um, the fifth checkpoint that we didn't get to was uh, way out Laurel Mountain Trail. Mm-hmm. And that is a trail that takes a long time to do. And when I started to do the math of how long, I was like, it's about break even. I think it would take uh, us two hours to do it because it's going to be an hour of smart. us getting out that trail. And then it would be an hour to get it. Like, I, like, and it was like, I don't know if the math will work out in our favor. And I think, I think ultimately it was the right call. Um, do you know how people, long it took the second female to come so group all the all the women's all the all women's teams came through and they had all done I think they had all had four checkpoints okay so we didn't have to deal with that talk okay, good and the co-ed team so then so there were there were some co-ed teams where that got scrambled because uh-huh. one co-ed team did get all five and then another just got four and there was like just these like small margins Ugh. um that sounds and like so much fun though. What a great so race. So much fun. So it really was like a, like a highlight of the season. And it's so fun too to race with a partner mm-hmm. and just like share the experience together. Right. So that and was that you was have awesome to come too. across together, I'm assuming. Mm-hmm. So Yeah, you have to show up at all the checkpoints together. together. You can't okay. leave your partner at the bottom <laughs> of the hill. Well, I'll just Yeah, I'll, I'll just go get this checkpoint. <laughs> you go get this other checkpoint. Yeah, yeah that wouldn't yeah. work. That wouldn't be fair. So that was that was that was great. That was definitely like a highlight. Um that, sure. <laughs> that sounds like a fun race. I mean, I've heard a lot of wonderful things about it and I've had people I know that have raced it, but I don't think I've ever gotten into the details of what it entails. So, yeah. So thank you for that. Yeah. And the race strategy is the, that puzzle piece is part of what made it so fun for me. I loved the, like the creativity of the route and after the race, you know, we're standing around for the two hours waiting right. for everyone. <laughs> and, and you're like, what, what route did you all take? You know? Yeah, yeah. And there's just like, just comparing the notes and like, you know, some of our friends were like, oh, well, we went to this checkpoint first. And you're like, why would you go to that checkpoint first? You know, just like, it sounds a lot. It's, it's so fun. somewhat similar, but not to the Barkley marathons in a way mm-hmm. where it's just always a mystery of mm-hmm. what's the route going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's very fascinating. I'm yeah. sure there's other races like that, but that, yeah, I'm glad that. So that's a Pisgah Productions yeah, race? Yeah, okay. and it sells out. I mean, I think it sold out in 30 minutes. Like, it wow. was, it's just... What a, time of year is it? It was in May. In May. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, so it's just one of those races that it, sometimes that's the only, you know, people do come back right. to it. Year. And yeah, totally. Caroline and I are like, all right, next Go year. do it again. We, because it'll be <laughs> totally different. Right. And like, who knows what the course will be or which, you know, what will be the like that hitch next year. Um, so that's cool. So tell me about, um, so now you're leading up that's May. So you, mm-hmm. you're doing some other races before that mm-hmm. August is looming in yeah. front of you. So why don't we jump ahead to, mm-hmm. to steamboat mm-hmm. and just talk about that whole experience. Um, and also what you've learned through these races about nutrition. What, what mm-hmm. do you carry with you? What do you like to eat? You know, yeah. I would love to know those kind of things yeah. too. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so Steamboat, all all the other races I did and really have done have been just regionally, locally. 
um, much smaller races. Steamboat had 900 people oh, wow. off the start line. That's and there were something like 3,000 people in Steamboat Springs racing that day because they had different oh, there's distances. Other. Oh, okay. So just a massive event, huge scale production. And so that that was so fun to be immersed in gra- like just this gravel takeover yes, of this really is a takeover Colorado mountain town Goodness and gracious. all the like you know professionals that you've heard about and there they are lining mm-hmm. up at the front with you and like that was uh that was really cool and but I got very little time to like so steamboat is not super high elevation but it's Higher elevation than Asheville. It's like, I want to say it's maybe 7,000 feet or so elevation wise. And so that was one thing going in that I was like, that was on my mind. It was like, I don't want to like have that performance dent from Mm -hmm. the elevation. So what I, my understanding going in and dealing with elevation, what like the schools of thought are you either show up like 10 days plus in advance and fully acclimatize or you show up less than 36 hours right. ahead of your race. So I time off work. Uh, my partner, Matt, came along with me, his time off. Like we said, we, all right, we're just going to fly in and I'll just get it done. So you did the 36 hours. Okay. Drop in the deep end. All right. Okay. <laughs> like, okay, let's go. And like it's before your body's gotten built up all this fatigue from right. trying to sleep at elevation and be at elevation for d- days. So I was like, well, the one thing I have going for me is that we have had a hot, humid summer. Yes, and humidity kind of has the same physiological impact on right. the body. So I was like, all right, this heat training hopefully is to my advantage. Um, but yes, yeah, Steamboat was uh, 900 people off the start line, extremely fast. And it's uh, overall, it's it was less elevation change than what we typically get with routes. Okay. In um in Western North That's surprising. Carolina. So I t- I t- in my head I have like that we get, you know, for a 100 mile ride, I'd expect about 10,000 feet of elevation change. Like mm-hmm. that's just kind of how it shakes out. Right. 20 mile ride from town, it's got about 2,000 feet of elevation. At Steamboat, it was a 141 mile race with only 10,000 feet of oh, elevation. Oh goodness. So the elevation change wasn't as big as what mm-hmm. I had been used to. But that made it really fast because there were flat miles and these like lovely rolling hills and it was beautiful. Oh, I bet it but was. But I, I hadn't trained at that kind of speed. Oh. Um, and and I was just amped up. On right. <laughs> yeah. Too, so. I mean, you got to be there. You got to experience yeah. it. So so, it, so I like I like I, I went. Yeah. The first the first half was fast and then I had to regroup. Okay. midway and be like do that kind of check in with myself and be like all right Ellie you're going fast and this is not a pace that you normally sustain for this long so calm and I've down. never ridden 140 miles full stop so yes calm down and like settled in eventually to my own pace and it was overall it was a, it was a good day but it was humbling too because it's just a dumb other playing field when you get on the national level oh yeah I mean you're competing against against professionals like yeah. you said and yeah yeah going a distance you've never got do you uh, how did you do overall I finished mid-pack 
Okay. Um, so that was, that's yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. I was, think that's it was, great. It was great. And, and yeah, I finished like, I finished strong, which was great. And like, felt um, good. but it was also, yeah, it's tum- a tumbling too. Like when I've been hitting podiums right. locally, <laughs> well, um, it's such but a different it's, scale. But it's, it is different. Yeah. I don't have any, yeah, no, there's so many people and it's such a big high profile event too. Like the caliber of competition right. was just on another level. Like when, yeah, the, the first 40 women or so being pro right. and like right. h- highly sponsored, you know, <laughs> athletes of life. And again, going back to my story, I haven't been doing this that long. So right. I'm just learning. Now, did you feel any of the altitude effects I or think, do you think your strategy worked? Um, I would say, yeah, it worked in the sense that I didn't, I wasn't, yeah, didn't. You could breathe okay. I could breathe okay. I felt like I had, so on the bike, I have power meter. And so I can track my like power, which is just like how much force I'm putting down on the pedals Okay. in addition to heart rate. Um, but with the power, I was expecting to see a bit of a ding in that. And I could, and it was, yeah, it was like, I don't know, maybe 10, 15%, just okay. like less power than I can deliver racing here in Western North Carolina. And so <laughs> that was to be expected. Like there's not a way around that. Um, so that was, that was interesting. Um, and then, and then the other thing, like you mentioned nutrition. Um, so one of the things that, uh, is tricky about both mountain bike races and gravel races is that there, you have to be really, you can't, there's no, like, there's not a lot of downtime in which you can like, uh, go one handed to pull a water bottle off Mm -hmm. your frame or eat. And you want to be able to take in calories and uh, drink a lot on the bike. Mm-hmm. I mean, you have to. So for Steamboat, I was wearing a hydration pack and had bottles on my oh, frame. So you did wear a hydration pack. Yeah. Okay. And that so was that you like. Could drink. And also, I was trying to minimize the times I would, how much I was going to need to stop because I didn't know what the aid stations were going to be like. Right. With that many people. Sometimes you don't want to get stuck in a line waiting right. for like a water bottle refill. Um, so I wanted to make sure I had a good amount of, uh, fluids. With do you me. just drink water or do you use some um, sort of I electrolyte? Usually. So I, I had two bottles of Roctane on okay. the frame and then I'd put scratch in the hydration pack. So, hmm. because again, it's, it's very, it's just hard to eat. So as many calories as I could, could get drink. Mm-hmm. just through liquid calories was, uh, was, is, has been really helpful for me all season. Like I usually do, I'll do a bottle of Roctane and sometimes I'll just do a regular bottle of water or I'll do a bottle of scratch. So do you, do you take any sort of gels or anything when you can, or mm-hmm. do you have some favorites? Yeah. So in addition to, um, gels, so I'll, yeah, substitute with, in addition to the Roctane in a bottle and usually I'll start with Roctane, but you've got to refill at aid stations and then I'll go water or right. sometimes do whatever they have there, but you gotta yeah, be careful there. You, you do need to be careful, right? <laughs> um, and then I think I had most of my nutrition on me from the beginning because I wanted to have it and I mm-hmm. didn't want to rely on the aid stations. There mm-hmm. weren't drop bags or anything, and there was no support out on course. Okay. So at gravel races vary in whether they allow support or whether there are drop bags allowed. For steamboat, everyone, pros included, everyone has to rely on the aid stations. Hmm. So there's so kind no of drop this, bags either no drop bags hmm. so you're it's kind of this level field but also 
tricky if you have um, really precise nutritional needs. Right. Um, but I, yeah, I had a lot of gels. My favorite gel is the spring gels. Mm-hmm. Uh, they have their like awesome sauce. Yes. And I can eat that all day or night. Like, and be okay. And be fine. I love cinnamon applesauce. That's it's just <laughs> That's like your favorite. comfort food. So, so I did, yeah, I was doing a lot of gels uh, and then, yeah, the, the liquid calories too. So do you ever have to be concerned, and I always think, it, I think I've asked somebody else this before, um, about going to the bathroom? I mean, you've got a yeah. whole jersey you got to take off. Yeah. I mean, your jersey, your kit, totally. everything. It's a problem. It, and is particularly it a for women. Like, right, well, yeah. You, you got to get it all, all off. All off. <laughs> you got to get it there's off. There's a lot of so, parts and pieces yeah, to and this. I, don't, I didn't know this until, like, so, like, m- when you get to be a racy cyclist, you start wearing cycling bibs. Right. So. And you have to take <laughs> off your jersey first. Exactly. Then take off your bibs. Then you take off the bibs. And yeah. so at, this was actually a situation at Steamboat because wake up early. You got to get to the start early. I wanted a good place and then, like, shoot um, because there's so many people lining up. So I was lined up, like, 45 minutes before the start in the shoot. Oh, okay. And then you're just waiting for it to begin. And you can't leave your bike and go to the bathroom. I mean, there were people hopping over the barrier in and out, but I, yeah, I, I didn't. And and then, like, we're starting, and I was like, oh, I gotta pee. Of course. Yeah. <laughs> and so I wasn't planning to stop at the first aid station, but there I was, you know, I needed to stop. So okay. that's just reality. Yeah. And, <laughs> you're just, and, and they, you're had, like, well, they had porta bodies, so it, it was fine. And and with the, on a bike, they're, your competition, I'd say. I know it wasn't yeah. a competition for you at that point, but they're just they just go off and yeah. then it's almost impossible to catch them. Yeah. 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 So I mean, everybody's gotta pee at some I know. point. <laughs> so. Guys just have an easier time. They need but. to make a bit they need to make a bib that's like the old school uh baby clothing where you just like have this so they snap. do they, they do, do have oh all kinds gosh. of creative things these days for like for women women's bibs like things with buckles on the back they or do? like extra stretch so maybe you can get it around your tush but i haven't yet to like <laughs> discover I've yet this to, to like <laughs> A, to want to fork over the money for the $270 bib that yep. will do that yep. trick. And, or like, <laughs> I have bought bibs that like, in theory, were advertising that. I'm like, no, this, this, isn't, this, this is too weird. <laughs> it just doesn't work. It's <laughs> <Just> too tight. <laughs> the clothing is too tight. Uh, uh, yeah, so it's... The joys of being a woman. Yeah, and doing like ultra long rides yeah. where you're out there You gotta go, you gotta go. Hours. That's right. Um, yeah. So that's a thing. Okay, I was, I was curious about that. And is there, is chafing ever a problem? Because yes. in running, chafing is uh, a huge problem. Yeah, it's a big problem. It is, okay. Yeah, um, that was, so for, I've met so many people who are like, how do you bike? Your butt must hurt oh, so bad. Yeah, you sitting know? on that little tiny hard sitting seat. on that seat. And I'm like, it can hurt really bad if your bike is not fit well. Ah. And so that's a big thing. So it's more about the fit. When... With the amount of like miles I've done in the last year is that I've really had to work to get the fit of the bike really precise because you'll get these. And also cycling, um, it's also like very mechanical in the sense of like your the movement you're doing is so repetitive. You're not right. moving around laterally at all. You're It's very just kind of 
you know, knees yeah. up, down, knees up, down. Yeah. Um, and so your butt doesn't move, but yeah, your legs do. And especially like if you're doing flatter stuff, um, I just find like, yeah, I get fatigue in my hands, neck, back, you know, and the saddle. So, um, yeah, I've gone through several different saddles in the last year just to find the one that works for me. And now I've found it and I'm like, Nope, don't ever need to ride another, you know, like so what you, on this bike, I need to ride this precise bike saddle um, to like for it to work well. Is there a particular brand that it, that it yeah, is? Yeah, I use the, um, what is it called? It's a specialized saddle. It's their 3D printed Mimic Pro saddle. Sure. Um, and <laughs> it looks like a honeycomb, like it's. It's got like all oh, these like little the seat holes. Does? Yeah. Oh. Um, okay. But it, it, like, it, the way it's built just helps to relieve pressure points in a way that is better than and any it, saddle I've experienced. And you could tell a difference pretty immediately. Yeah. On I mean, that. You did, I don't get chafing That's, as much. Um, and yeah, you wear chamois butter and all that stuff. Yeah, all that stuff. stuff. Yeah. Okay. To, to prevent the chafing. But that's an issue. And then at Steamboat, um, one of the things too that, that I've experienced cyclists you know everyone's got their thing is just like i get tingliness in my hands and so with it just like, being in the same it's position a rigid, the whole time? it's a rigid bike and you're get and it's a lot of vibration okay. that you're just like absorbing and so yeah if i'm not if i'm not careful to change my hands frequently then i'll get kind of numbness and tingliness and that's that's another just fit thing where like i'm still playing with it to try and get it just dialed in so that that discomfort doesn't arise so but, that's a fit thing even though you would think that that would happen to everybody going over all that yeah. gravel. Well, and but bodies are different, right? And so you can have your standard off-the-shelf bike frame. Right. And, you know, my arms are a little shorter in this way. Right. And this, you know, there's so many different precise measurements. And so there are bike fitters out there. And you go and you get a bike fit and they help you adjust the handlebar angle, the seat angle, the seat height you know, the, the cleats on the bottom of my bike shoes, like the precise way that they're there so that my knees are aligned and don't get too tweaked. And so, I mean, some people are fortunate and they don't have, they don't experience, you know, pain or people, other people are like, Oh, I never knew that. Or they're not going the distances you're going. Yeah. And, and it's really like, I've never, I hadn't thought much about bike fit until this year. Because of uh, just the doing. miles and hours I'm spending on the bike. And did you so it sounds like you go in several times for a bike fit. It's not just that you're tweaking process. and things. Um, so yeah. Yeah. It's so nice it's, that they have people that will do that. Mm-hmm. So so after Steamboat, um, do you did most recently I think the Pisga five five five, is that yeah, what it's called? That's right. Was yeah. that your next race after Steamboat? Or um, did you have so any I more? did the um I did the Monster Cross race. Ah, the Monster again. Cross again. So okay. that was the that was race. The concussion that was race. my very first gravel race. And I came back to it uh last month. You had to redeem did yourself. Did it again, <laughs> had a great race, um, and felt better and did you know, I went through that spot where I'd crashed and I was like, All right, here we are. We're doing okay. Okay. You got through. right past it. <laughs> yeah, got through it. <laughs> that yeah. was a relief, I'm yeah. sure. Yeah. And then and then yeah, uh just last weekend finished the season up with the the Pisca 555. So what is the Pisca 555? <laughs> so it's actually it was 
originally, I mean, I guess it's still called 55.5K, so named after the distance. Okay. But the, the route has changed over the years, so it's not precisely 55.5 kilometers, <laughs> but it's still called but the, the 555. Cool. Yeah. yeah, so it's 38 miles. You know, I don't know. Somebody out there could do the math as to what that breaks down to relative to 555, right. but it's a name. Um, yeah, so I, that was that was the last one that I did jumped into that. Um, and that was last weekend. Weather was spectacular. It was Leaves are changing. Mm -hmm. Um, the forest was just full of people doing their thing. And that's one of the things I love about Pisgah National Forest is just when I was younger, you know, I went through a phase where I was into rock climbing Mm -hmm. and like there's looking glass and spectacular climbing and then there are the runners and the hikers and the backpackers and the fly fisher people and uh, the horseback riders and yep. everybody's doing their thing in this like amazing place. And so the forest was just like, there's tons of people out. At times I had to, you know, fully stop in the middle of the race for the, the trail ride right. to come through. I was, was going to ask you about that. I mean, yeah. that, that can be a problem, yeah. even runners and things. It's, yeah especially when you're racing because you're flying through those. Yeah. I mean, yeah. So I, I came up to two packs of horses and, um, I mean, I have a lot of respect for horses, so there's no question in my mind. I am stopping my bike. I'm getting off. I'm communicating with the people on the horse. Like, Hey, I'm willing to get off my bike. What would you like me to do? And they'll usually tell you, Oh, my, my horse, is very skittish around bikes. Please get off and stay to the side. Let us pass. Or, um, no, they're okay. You know, they've been around bikes mm-hmm. that you can just please pass slowly. And that so kind if of you're thing. listening, this is important. Horse etiquette yeah. is, is to do exactly that is to find out from the yeah, rider. Just, and, and also talking to the rider mm-hmm. on the horse too helps to let the horse know you're a person. You're not some, <laughs> strange looking animal creature that they've never seen before right. on this bicycle and right. so i always am just start chatting like hey you know we're yeah. all good no need to no need to get alarmed here so c- going from horses to runners since you were a runner mm-hmm. um what have you found because i think there's arguments out there of etiquette for runners versus mountain bikers mm-hmm. so you have done both mm-hmm. what what do you what would you recommend or what do you say is the etiquette when you see runners climbing or runners descending? Um, well, or is there any, it's, I mean, runners, runners have the right of way. I mean, that's just, runners have that's, the right of way. that's okay. I didn't, as a, as a cyclist, you need to yield to hikers, horse riders, you know, you yield to everyone. Don't plow them over. <laughs> yeah. That, right. that, that, okay. That's, that is the, that's the rule. Um, and it's interesting. So the, Pisgah 55K mm-hmm. is a running race as well as a mountain biking ah, race. And so it is off the start line. You are there with the ultra runners who are running the exact same course you are. And so this is kind of, this was a fun aspect that I didn't, you know, I knew is this that the it, first year. No, you said no, it's been several they've years. They've had it for a while. So how does that work? Um, They're obviously slower. You would think. You would We're think. talking about very technical mountain bike oh, terrain. climbing. Okay. And so, um, again, this race is run by Pisgah Productions. It starts at the bottom, right by the Pisgah Ranger Station. 
And it also started with a climb up the Black Mountain oh. Trail. So here I am. I've been climbing Black Mountain Trail more <laughs> than like, I've been I know descending this trail. it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great descent. Um, but yeah, I set off and I was with the runners, yeah. you know, the runners. And there, it was about break even. Like there was a while where there was a runner just behind me. And I, you know, I was like, do you want to pass? You know, and he's like, oh, no, it's good. And he's kind of you know, oh, you made it through that section. Nice. And I'm like, thanks. You know, <laughs> encouraging um, you. And then, so, so, so they just kind of pass when they can. They, and yeah. You, and you're, again, you just communicate with them. And, right. you know, there, as soon as there was, you know, downhills, I was getting around sure. many of the runners. And, um, and I would just let them know, hey, biker back. And then they would pull over and, then they would say the same when they come up and I'm pushing my bike up some stretch that is impossible to ride. And they're like, and runner they're back. Like, yeah, runner back. I'm just going to scoot around here, here. And um, the fascinating thing about the race, so I ended up first woman across. I ended up fifth overall. Wow. But in terms of the runners out on the field, um, I am in the final stretch and climbing upper black, through the what we call the hike a bike, which is just the hiking section. <laughs> hike a bike, you cannot ride <laughs> like that. <laughs> um, and there's a runner that comes up, and I'm like, "Where is this guy? Like, I figured I would have been ahead of all the runners mm-hmm. by this stage in the race. Like, there's only five miles left in the race. Here comes this runner past me, and um, but yeah, I'm hiking my bike, so <laughs> right. I'm not moving quickly. And then I start descending, and I was like, "Oh, I'll see him soon." And it wasn't until like. Oh, I was well down Black Mountain Trail that I eventually caught him and I ended up finishing only 10 minutes ahead of him. He did the exact same course. He was flying. In Do you know who it was? Um I think his name was uh Marcus Welker. Okay. Um and he, he yeah, was he flying. was his his pace was an average of like 9 minute pace. Mm. For 30, That's a 38. Yeah, he was flying. <laughs> On those trails. Yeah. But I was just like, so I was just, it was humbling because I was like, I have had a bike this whole right. route. <laughs> I should I be faster. <laughs> you know, it was, it's, but again, like I said about the day, it was just an amazing day to be out there That's and a, see people really doing their thing in Pisgah. And so super. And everybody big, starts big, at the same big time. Big props to all the runners yes. who have been out there. How many? Yeah. Do you know how many people approximately were doing? I think there each? were probably 10, 10 or so runners. It seemed like a pretty big runners field this okay. year. And then there was like 40 some mountain bikers. Okay. And then there was also. So it's not like a hundred and a hundred. It's, it's no, a yeah. little bit lower um, than that. I mean, Pisgah Productions is an is a cycling event. So I think it's probably off the radar of a lot of yeah, uh, runners in the area. That. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's a beautiful rugged course and um the same day they also were running the pisgah 111k so that was a longer distance mountain bike Mm -hmm. so the aid stations were set up and they were out there all night long ready for runners or bikers to come through at any point but it was the same aid stations and they have drop bags and everything super well run event and um winners get belt buckles at the end nice. so you don't even there have to run go. 100 miles to get a belt buckle uh, <laughs> you, you, can, you can get one <laughs> so if you hear that out there if you want a belt buckle Pisgah Productions. <laughs> that's right so it sounds like Pisgah Productions put on some pretty amazing events they've been enjoyed. at it for a while yes yeah, they've been at it for a while so since that last concussion have you had any other um, injuries or things that you've had to deal with or falls or anything that scared you out there that 
um, have made you kind of go, okay, what am I doing? Um, so knock on wood, this has been a, um, um, major accident free year. So that's great because I don't know, I've got over 5,000 miles and under my belt for riding. Um, so it's been a lot of hours just out on, out on pavement, out on gravel roads, out on technical mountain bike trails. Um, you know, you slip here and there, but no, no injuries to speak of. So that's been great. That's great. The biggest thing too. Yeah. Bones heal. I don't want to deal with a brain injury. My, my, my work involves a lot of thinking and screen time (laughs) and I, I need to be able to do that. So it's, um, yeah, I was grateful for speedy recovery and that I haven't knocked the head hard since. (laughs) Good. And what, what, um, what helmet do you typically go to? Um, I try a lot of uh, different Just ones. Different I'm not, ones. I'm not dedicated to, to a particular helmet at the moment. Uh, I've been trying. And your bike is this, my, did you say specialized the, or just the, no, so just the, the seat? So the, just the seat. Okay. I'm specialized for women out, out there, specialized, all the women I know find specialized saddles to be the best. Gotcha. So men, it's a different field. Uh, just shaped a little differently right (laughs) they've got it right so they have more options because a lot of it's been designed around men's men's bodies too but i i found the specialized saddles to work really well and know a lot of women too who that's true for um the bike i ride the gravel bike i have is an allied bike Mm -hmm. and that's a um a company out of bentonville arkansas made in america carbon frames so they're one of the few companies that make carbon framed bikes uh in the u.s in which is really interesting because mm-hmm. most specialized your treks your giants they're all made um overseas hmm. so that was that was kind of an interesting thing that they had set up and um so having that bike and then my mountain bike is a it's a ibis ripley which is another another brand that makes a great product <laughs> and I am clueless that's why I'm asking <laughs> there's so. so many out there <laughs> I know well and I know like my husband's a cyclist and he would be interested in hearing that so you yeah. know as as a runner I'm interested in hearing about shoes, shoes. in the pack and things totally. so I know if I'm talking to you I need to ask these questions totally. because it might go right over my head but um yeah. I know there's others that are listening and there's so many runners that are also cyclists and I am just terrified of the bike. So I will not be that person, but I would say the majority of people I know bike too, at least in this area. It is, Um, it is great cross training. It is. I wish I could on the bike. Yeah, totally. (laughs) And, um, yeah, it's been great to see some of, uh, some of my runner friends jump yes. on to, into different gravel races over this season too. Uh, I've seen a few and, uh, definitely encourage more of that. Yay. And because too, going back to like in Western North Carolina, our running trail community is amazing. Mm-hmm. And the gravel cycling community is amazing too. And we could totally use more women. So in come it. on. So come on, join me. <laughs> join Ellie. <laughs> Definitely. So you've had a very, very full year. Mm-hmm. And so you're looking into 2024. Is there anything you have your mindset on or what you want to accomplish? Or are you just kind of breathing in this year? Um, that's a good question. I think the the thing that like is on my mind, um, and I mentioned it earlier. So 
um, there's this, if you do all of the Pisgah Productions ah, events, the they have this queen. King and Queen of Pisgah series, but you have to show up to all of them. And I couldn't make all the events because I was going to Steamboat mm-hmm. for the, for my big event right. this year. And, um, like thanks to the sponsorship from the hub down in, uh, Pisgah Forest, they have generous cash prizes and they're equal for men and women. And so that there's a lot of incentive there to, hmm. to go for the cash purse. Um, I think it's like $2,000 for first place. If okay. you can, if you make it through all of these and you, your points add up at the end of the, end of the series. And so, uh, at the end of the 55 K last weekend, they did the award ceremony for the, the King and Queen of Pisgah. And it, like it was like, you're oh, like, okay, be, I want to go after that. <laughs> I almost did it. I did all the number of events, but I just wasn't. How many are I, there total? I think it's, um, I want to say five or six events. Okay. Um, that, and the one I missed was the Pisgah Enduro, okay. which is just a different bike format too. <laughs> so you are looking at possibly so maybe that, doing that. And, and I, and I love the local events because it's, it's a way to, a, we live in an amazing place mm-hmm. and just to stand around afterwards chatting with people. When I went to Steamboat, it was cool for the big thing, but I don't know anybody. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, totally different feel. level. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, if I did enough, I'm sure I would get to know people and maybe next year I can recruit some people to go to the big events, but now it's fun to, fun to stay, fun to wake up in your own bed. And just show yes. up on the start line. Amen to that. <laughs> now, do you sign up through, you know, we use ultra sign up so much, but is it through Pisgah Productions? Is there a, is there There's a, a website called bike reg? Okay. So yeah. I didn't know this. So, and that's, yeah. and that's where most of these are. Yeah. Most I races. signed up for a lot of races on bike, bike reg.com. So yeah. that's like the ultra sign up for mm-hmm. running work. Yeah. Okay, got yeah. It. I think, I mean, I will say I, Ultra sign up. They're doing a great job over there with their like sign up pages. Yes. Bike Reg could take some notes. Okay. From, from ultra sign up, I think <laughs> in terms of the website functionality. Okay, good but, to know. Uh, no, it's just, yeah, just another platform to get people signed up. <laughs> well, I just appreciate you coming on here and explaining your world. Totally. And yeah. I think it's been pretty fascinating for me as a, as a runner and just talking to another obviously runner, but endurance athlete and someone who's doing amazing things out there. And so I just appreciate you talking about this world of yours. And is there anything else, any advice you would give to other Ellie's out there that (laughs) may not realize that they can be competitive in this or um, the streak that you did? Is there anything that you want to say or mention before we close? I mean, yeah, the big thing is that like, Five years ago, I didn't foresee this, you know, right. like it, I wasn't a college athlete. I didn't like think that, you know, this isn't something that I've been building towards for a long time. I'm in my late thirties. Like I'm just doing this because it's fun. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's the whole thing about it. And I would encourage like other women who are just like, Oh, that's not me. I haven't done that before to just sign up for it and give it a try. You never know. You might surprise yourself. That's right. Or I'm too old. I mean, yeah, you hear absolutely. that. It's like yeah. this sport, I feel like yeah. both of these sports are something that 
you really age nicely with, <laughs> yeah. if that makes yeah. sense. Yeah. Biking is easy on the joints, you yeah. know, <laughs> there are, there are plenty of runners out there who go to cycling because <laughs> right. the knees are shot, but they can still pedal. That's right. There's still a lot of fulfillment to, to find in it all. <laughs> so ultimately do something you you find that's fun and enjoyable. And yeah. I hear that a lot on here and I think that's why we do what we do. So, yeah. well, yeah. thank you again. Yeah. It's and been a pleasure. Maybe after uh, next year's, being the queen. <laughs> uh, we'll hear about we'll that. See. We'll see. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure. <laughs> thank you. Yeah. Thank you, Tara. Thank you for listening to Facing Vert. If you have enjoyed this podcast, please like, follow, and share with your friends. You can also find us on Instagram at Facing Vert. If you'd like to reach out to me, message me there. I hope to see you at the top of the mountain.